0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. This is Jeff Ellis of the Locked On Indians podcast. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Remember, when you go to rockauto.com, Type. locked on for how'd you hear about us fantastic selection easy to navigate website great prices rockauto.com so we have a ton to talk about the indians made one trade but it was a massive trade uh it was interesting just the highs and lows of this deal so let's talk about the indians and their pitching before i get into the individual players honestly this trade could end up taking multiple podcasts because of the depth to it so the indians pitching staff could handle this deal why? It's crazy to think about. They have traded Kluber, Carrasco. They have not traded Carrasco. Let's try it again. They traded Kluber, Bauer, and Clevenger. And it's still probably one of the top five rotations of baseball. You go back to the start of the year and you look at the rotation. Only one player in that rotation was, uh, I believe, ever listed as a top 100 prospect. Think about that for a time. That entire rotation at the start of the year, Carrasco is the only one who's ever a top 100 guy. Uh, Beaver's meteoric rise didn't really allow for it. Uh, when we're talking about preseason stuff. And even when he hit the majors that year, there were a lot of people who did not have him number one. I know that June I had made him the top prospect in system, but there were many others who had not. Uh, So the entire pitching staff of the Cleveland Indians has been assembled through others, you know, also rands, not the elite of the elite. This is not a team, Tristan McKenzie is the most well thought of person in this uh, rotation. He's the only one who is, uh, you know, was a high, highly rated player at some point as a prospect. Uh, again, Carrasco was as well, but the interesting thing with Carrasco is his stock was on a decline when the Indians acquired him. And I don't know if you can go back and remember his first or second season with the Indians, where he was just beaming people left and right, and people were saying that the Indians should cut Carrasco. I saw a lot of that at the time. He's certainly matured and grown up is a completely different player than he was at that point in time. But that's where Carrasco was at points when the Indians acquired him. It's uh, it's interesting to go back and think about that. And I point all of this out to say, uh, everyone who's mad out there about this trade, you don't know pitching as well as the Cleveland Indians. You're like, but MLB, but Fangraphs, but Baseball America. A lot of those lists are two months old, three months old. Some of them are from March or April, you know, with a minor update after the draft. And again, you know, those people do great work at those sites. I respect everyone a ton. But a lot of the site writing, when you are, you know, two or three or a group of five or six writing up sets of organizations, you're talking with people you trust, you're getting inside information, you're doing texts and email chains and the like, the Indians are here to, they know what they do well, they go for what they do well. And their prospect lists don't match up. Remember when the whole Kluber trade happened and Emmanuel Classé was the guy and there was talk that the Indians, when they discussed it with the Angels, were like Brandon Marsh. So in their mind, Classé and Marsh were similar levels. The Indians look at things differently and they've been highly successful that way. And I'm not going to doubt their ability to pick what works in pitchers. I'm just not. They know what works. Uh, On top of the five guys right now in the major leagues with them. You know, Logan Allen's a nice depth guy who for a lot of teams would still be a back-end starter. You got Moss, who's uh, down there for an opportunity, Eli Morgan, and more waves beyond that. That's what's crazy about this team in pitching. And you're like, well, if they have all that, why'd they go out and to add two more pitchers? Because they really like them. <laughs> They're going for talent and because there's always a need for pitchers. Um, as this team continues to mature and develop and through the years, it, you know, they can always flip a, a Savali if he gets expensive. They can flip a Plesak. They can use that pitching depth to continually replenish and rebuild. And like I said, we'll get into the individual players in a bit. So they also shipped out Greg Allen in the deal. Um, not a surprise. So they Naylor goes out, Allen comes in. Or I should say Naylor comes in, Allen goes out. Greg Allen went to San Diego State. He's a former Aztec. It's a return home. A nice fourth outfielder for San Diego. I'm curious about the player to be named later because that's obviously a minor leaguer who they can't trade because he's not at the site. So, you know, who could that be? What was a, an interesting enough player that San Diego wanted them? Um, you want my random guess? Robert Broom, the sidewinder. Uh, side they have had, you know, they had Adam Simber there in the past. They've used that kind of guy who can do that. Broom is someone who could help this team next year in terms of this team being the Padres, uh, with them having a lot of pen pieces leaving. They went out and made some more trades for pen pieces. They have a lot of uh, free agents to be in that bullpen. Someone like Robert Broom, who's not at site now, could be someone that they could look at as someone who could help them in a year in that bullpen. So that's my complete uneducated guess on the player to be named later. So when you have all these pieces, I think I'm going to for this podcast, go in the order of how I think they're valued to the Indians. We're going to start at the top and move down the list, uh, discussing each player and why I think they were, you know, acquired, what made the Indians want to add them, etc. And, you know, Mike Clevenger is a huge loss. There's no way around it. He was the number two on this team. Uh, you also could not look past the fact that he was, I don't think the Indians He wasn't a bad influence, but he was a knucklehead. Let's just put it that way. And that he kept having constant freak minor injuries. He has not had a major injury since he's in the angel system. I don't think he's necessarily injury prone. But I also don't think he's a 200-inning starter. I just don't think that's going to happen. He had been inconsistent this year. Um, He had been inconsistent at points last year. When he is on, he is awesome. Uh, He's going to be a major loss from the points when he is on. But you're looking at 15 starts a year, whereas... Um, you know Josh Naylor will get 15 starts before the year is done for the Cleveland Indians. Now let's start going into the why the Indians made this deal. We'll start with player number one, and that's Gabriel Arias, the shortstop. Now, a lot of places, he was listed as the seventh best prospect. I'll tell you right now, the Indians had Arias higher than Campesino. Uh, they value catching defense too much, so they weren't as high on him. I talked to someone today who liked him more than uh, Robert Hassel, their first round pick, because... Hassel, we don't know if the power's going to come, and they thought he's going to have to move to a corner outfield spot. Arias is a no-doubt shortstop, should be an above-average to plus defender there. I think you would probably label him the Indian shortstop of the future. Thought prop says being Ty Freeman's better at second base anyways, and that's kind of going to be your keystone court, uh, pair. They would actually be playing together in the minors if minor league baseball was around right now. They'll get reps at the alternate side together. Arias made big improvements throughout last year. Uh, Physical tools, he's a physical tool monster. He could end up being a plus defender, plus power hitter at shortstop. Now, he's not gonna walk much, he's gonna have a high K rate. There is a lot of risk in that profile, but again, I just wanna point out, you look at what he had done previously in the minors, and he took coaching, he took adjustments, and, from low A, where he had a 654 OPS, a 240 batting average, and a 309 on base, the next year in high A, they still kept pushing him along 302, 339, 470, 809 OPS, 17 home runs. Now, the concern here is the 4% walk rate and the 25% strikeout rate. We'll have to see if they can work on his approach. But the physical tools are there for a middle of the order hitter at the shortstop position, and he's an exciting prospect who probably didn't get as much love as he should have. I think he's one of the top six players in their organization. Uh, in OOTP this past year, I signed him and he was he won a gold glove for me at shortstop. How you can win a gold glove is by using Postmates. Postmates brings you what you want, 365 days a year. It can be food delivery, grocery delivery, from the corner store, from down the block. Postmates is gonna deliver it to you any time of day, any day of the week and right now we have this fantastic deal with Postmates and we get $100 of free delivery credit for your first 7 days so you download the app use the code locked on that is the code locked on for $100 of free delivery credit for your first 7 days when you download the Postmates app anything you need anytime you need it postmate it download postmates and save with the code locked on again uh, very handy when you're feeling lazy or if it is a big day like today with all these trades and you are too busy to go out, uh, Postmates is a lifesaver, so download and use that promo code locked on. Our other sponsor of the day is a fantastic new one, Indeed.com. If you are a company and you are looking for people, I know we just did interviews at my school today because we're having a hard time. It is a time where it is hard to find good help, and if you are trying to find the best people to fill positions at your job, you want to go to Indeed today because they are the number one job site in the world, and they are going to get you the best people possible. And we have this fantastic deal right now with them where Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked on MLB. That is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash Locked on MLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Go get yourself the help you need at Indeed. Promo code, or no promo code, you're going to get get the help you need at Indeed.com slash Locked On MLB. See what I mean about this? <laughs> Maybe uh, taking us a few podcasts to get into. We're going to have to just ignore this Royal Series until it's done or something crazy happens in it. I mean, we still got all these other players to talk about. We haven't even talked about, to make room, the Indians let Domingo Santana go today. It was a low-cost gamble. that just didn't work out. He was having one of his worst seasons, and the terrible defense plus the less-than-spectacular offense made him a player that uh, I think was relatively easy to say goodbye to. Let's get back to the deal at hand, though. I think the number two player in this deal, and this is a controversial point of view, but I think the second most important player in this deal for the Cleveland Indians was Joey Cantilio, the left-handed pitcher out of Hawaii. The Indians have uh, taken a few players from Hawaii over the years. I remember getting into an argument around the draft time about that. Uh, I still think Kaye Tom counts, even though he was at Kentucky. He is a player from Hawaii in the Indian system. But let's get into Cantile- uh, Cantile- Cantilio. Wow, long day. I've been a big fan of his dating back to school. I think I had the Indians take him in one of, in a redraft back in the 2017 draft. That he's a really interesting prospect. A really good athlete with excellent control. I'm just letting that pause stand there because doesn't that sound like the Indians type? You're looking at a six foot four athlete, strong control. Yes, the control numbers last year in high A, uh, in 13 starts or 13 innings weren't great, but it's 13 innings. That's not enough to base anything off of. Let's look at what he did in low A, over 19 games started uh, for a kid who was 19 all of last season. He's not turning 21 until uh, December. So, you know, he's a very young for his class type of guy. Again, we know what the Indians think about that. Last year in in low A, 98 innings, uh, 11 strikeouts per nine, a walk rate of under 2.5, a hit rate of barely under five. He uh, gave up three home runs, by the way, in 2018 and 2017, his first two years in the minors. He didn't give up a single home run. People don't make hard contact. He's got good secondary offerings. Um, I think it's the changeup, but particularly deceptive. He is pretty much the mold. If you're going to talk about what the Indians like, look for, and do the best with. Young for his class, athletic, strike thrower, advanced secondary pitches. What more do you want? That's why I think that he was such an important piece for the Indians. I think he was specifically the second most important piece. And he's a guy I think you should get excited for. I think both Cant- Cantilio... See, I watched a, a, a thing with him, and I saw a weird pronunciation, and now it's in my head, and I'm not sure if it's right or not. But I think uh, him and Arias are both top ten prospects. I had a lot of people asking me, uh, where do they rank in the Indian system? I think Nolan Jones is still one. Uh, I would... I think I would put Arias two. Valera three. Ty Freeman is my four. My five is probably still Bo Naylor. I still believe in him a lot. Six, uh, see, this is the problem when you're doing this on the fly. Six, I would probably put Cantillo Cantilio right now. Seven, Daniel Johnson. Uh, eight, Espino. Nine, McKenzie. And I'm probably forgetting people. Those are the 10 uh, younger Logan Allen, as he was the highest rated player for me in the draft class. And since that was an on-the-fly one, I totally uh, reserve the right to change it later. But again, these are, I think, you know, he's a better pitching prospect than anyone was giving him credit for in this deal, at the time of this deal, and amongst the fan base. So let's go. The third most important player in this deal, Josh Naylor. Bo Naylor's big brother. Uh, Will Gage had a fantastic thing on Twitter. And I want to make sure I, you know, uh, Gage EHC. And he just had the comparison, the Zips comparison for Josh Naylor and Clint Frazier. And you look at them and Naylor and Frazier are very similar. And let's get down to it. Uh, Naylor is 23. Frazier is Let's see, how old is he? He's 25, so he's older. Frazier does have the explosive power potential. Uh, Naylor has an excellent eye at the plate. And uh, they're probably about the same level of defender, as as crazy as it'd be that Naylor was this first baseman who's not a great defender. But uh, Clint Frazier's been pretty brutal when given the chances to play defense in the big leagues. That's one of the reasons he hasn't been able to nail down the starting gig. So Naylor is very similar, I think, in terms of valuation to a Clint Frazier, and he is your third piece in this deal where a lot of people want a Clint Frazier as a primary piece. There are so many people who would be so much happier if the Indians had gotten Frazier and Anjuar, and Frazier and Anjuar is a lesser package by far than what the Indians got uh, from the Padres. And Naylor is going to step in. He's going to be the Indians' everyday left fielder from here on out. He is going to just go right into that role. And they've already said that. And you look at his numbers, I think what's most impressive about him, again, is a high walk percentage with a low strikeout percentage. Those two combine to be a guy who's safe. Is he going to be a four-win guy? Probably not, but I think he is a league-average guy. And the number of people who got mad at me when I'm like, hey, they added a league-average outfielder uh, was amazing because I'm like, people for weeks have been saying that, you know, I'll take a league average. And then all of a sudden they make a deal and league average wasn't good enough. And Naylor, like I said, he's not going to be, in spite of having kind of a thicker build, I don't think he's ever going to really be a 30 home run guy. Maybe I'll be wrong at that. But he's going to always be this safe league average bat. The Indians, I mean, league average in the outfield is a huge jump. Taylor Naquin is playing great. So, you know, I talked about... And Indians fans, it could always be worse. You could be a D-backs fan. The Diamondbacks went out to be all in, and then their owner cut off the front office at the knees. That front office had been doing great work the past few years. And you look at the deals the Diamondbacks made at the deadline, and they have very little to show for the talent they shipped out. Archie Bradley, I would have loved the Indians to add at the cost that uh, the Reds got him. Brian Goodwin would have been an interesting get for the Indians. At the same time, just because, you know, maybe Goodwin could play center, uh... Naquin Luplo is going to work in one outfield. Naylor, I'm pretty sure, is going to work in the other. Center, you know, Shields is a great defender. Uh, Mercado is a great defender. I don't know if we have a really great option in center field right now. And that's why I would have still liked to have seen, you know, someone like Goodwin, who I think can at least be average defensively and average offensively. But uh, I think, you know, Naylor is one of those players where, again, he's young for the level. He does a lot of things well. He is not the most exciting player in the world, but I think he's a safe, effective guy, and he's the third piece in this deal for me. Next up, let's talk about Cal Quantrell. I was a little sad that my tweet about Quantrell and Plesak being back together again, uh, Toronto Blue Jays bullpen, the next generation, picked up zero steam. I was like, am I the only one who remembers that combination for the Blue Jays? Either way, uh, Quantrell is a player who at one point in time had 1-1 overall draft talk, was viewed as a steal of the draft when the Padres took him 8th overall. He was firing up through the minor leagues, uh, top 25 prospect, I believe, at points, viewed as this future ace for them, one of the stars of their system. He got to the big leagues, and it just hasn't come together for him. And why is that? Well, the long and short of it is he's a two-pitch guy. The changeup has not developed the way i think a lot of people hoped it would now he's got a sinker that is a heavy pitch and it's a very effective one and his slider is also a very effective pitch but he doesn't the change gets hit it gets hit hard there is some points where it looks like it's going to be a weapon It just has not developed into that so you take a guy who knows how to pitch who's got low walk rates throughout his career and has two you know Solid pitches and is still working on a third. For the Indians, I believe he's already on the roster. Uh, He'll get that chance to work out of the pen. I think he'll be very effective in that role. He's had points where he's been fantastic in that role. For the Indians, long term, I still think there's a chance for a starter here. And he's got, I think, five more years of control. And again, perfect place for the Indians. Um, Bloodlines, control, uh, polished secondary offering all the things they look for. So there's a team who can work on that third pitch, who can help his other stuff play up. You know, maybe we're putting too much credit into what the Indians have done successfully with player after player after player, but and this is what they do. You know, it, it'd be silly to sit there and expect them not to be able to do that. And the, the low end here, I think, is an effective reliever. And just a devil's advocate, why the Indians uh, would want two pitchers from San Diego more than maybe other places is look at San Diego's rotation. Who is a was developed in-house um, almost exclusively in that rotation? Just take a second and, and do that for me. Oh, you don't have it handy? Well, I'll tell you. The answer there and uh, Denelson-Lamette, De- whose name I'm probably butchering, because the rest of that rotation, Mike Clevenger traded for. Garrett Richards was a free agent. Uh, traded for Zach Davies and Chris Paddock, I believe when they acquired him was already in double A. I'm just going to double check on that. No, he was a high, he was an A ball with the Marlins. So I guess they get some credit for Paddock at the same time. If you haven't been paying attention, Chris Paddock is one of the five worst, uh, FIPS in baseball right now. And that's part of the reason they had to make a trade. San Diego's, you know, great pitching staff is, you know, they had all those great pitching prospects, I should say, but you know, more John Espino. Lauer, Lucchese, they haven't worked out. By and large, the pitching that they have developed in system has not been developed well. So when you look at Quantrell, that is a reason to think that there could be more there. You need to look sometimes beyond. I mean, look at their bullpen right now. Craig Stammen bounced around for a while. Matt Strom came from Kansas City. They traded for Tim Hill before the season began. Emil Pagan was a trade. They signed Drew Pomeranz. They traded for Trevor Rosenthal. Kirby Yates, before he got hurt, was a free agent. Even their bullpen is guys they've had to go out and add. They have not been able to develop pitching on any level. So when you look at somebody like Quantrell, uh, that is why you think there could be more there. The ability has always been there. The Indians are in a situation where there might be more value than uh, left there than people are anticipating because that's what you look for. The Indians knew for a while that the Reds and the Angels were not good at pitching development. and They tried to add players from those systems. That could easily be what is happening right here. Ah, running well over and we still got two pieces to talk about. Austin Hedges, uh, I've talked about many times on the podcast. He is probably the best defensive catcher in the game right now. He also cannot hit. He has no offensive ability. Uh, pitch framing is good as it gets. I mean, the Indians value defense at catcher more than they value defense any other at any other position. So it makes sense to get hedges. It also makes sense because this uh, minor league system has zero organizational depth at catcher, and rather than play, pay someone like Sande Leone or Sande Leone, I should say, um, you know, a few million dollars like they are you know, at least you have an athletic Hedges who, when he's in there, is going to be a bonus for your team defensively, even if he can't uh, do anything offensively. And maybe there's some things they can work on or fix. Maybe there's some stuff that they can try to uh, to figure out with Hedges, but you're, you're getting him for elite defensive value. And, I mean, he could be a backup from now until the end of time just because of that defensive ability. Owen Miller, I believe, is the only player I've not talked about yet. He is a Former third round pick out of Illinois State. Illinois, I can never say Illinois. And I'm just pulling up his stats. I remember liking that pick a lot when uh, when they made it. And he has been effective going through the minors. Maybe that's not you know what you want to hear. Someone's been effective. But last year in double uh, A, two ninety batting average, three fifty five on base, four thirty slugging, had thirteen home runs, twenty-eight doubles. He walked 8% of the time, struck out 15% of the time. He's a higher ceiling utility player than Ernie Clement and a lower floor. He was in some places a 10th, in other places 11th or 12th prospect in the Padres system. And again, when you think about that Padres system with those players, Miller's top 10 in pretty much any other system in the game. I know I say that and I don't have him in the Indian system, but... I just couldn't find a spot. The Indians are also a top 10 system. Miller is a very good prospect. He is you know, right up there uh, for me in terms of the infield depth with guys like Brian uh, Rocoyo, who I'm not quite as high on, and some of those other young players. Like I, I prefer Miller because at least he's already gotten it done at AA. He's going to get a chance, I think, to compete for the Indian second base job next year. He is... Going to be ready to go. They'll get that time, that opportunity. Don't see, be surprised if Owen Miller is, you know, one of those players who is competing for that spot next year. I don't think they need to add him to the forty-man in the off-season. Uh, I believe Arias does, and we know that Hedges and Naylor have to. Cantillo does not. But that was the other thing. I mean, the Padres made a lot of moves, knowing that they were in a roster crunch, in the Indians. Uh, I think benefited from that. Yes, this deal did not have the one big prospect that everyone wants. But I will make the case that the one big prospect is not the way to go. There are too many times that things like that can flame out or fail. Too many times where you end up making a deal for Matt Laporta and Michael Brantley's the best player. You make the deal for Jason Knapp and Carlos Carrasco as your top piece. You make a deal for John Malone and it's Carlos Santana who's the secondary name piece in the deal that ends up no, that wasn't, wasn't Malone there? I feel like Malone was with uh, DeRosa. Now I gotta look that up. It was Malone uh, with with uh, Santana in that deal. So my point is the Indians have had success using this approach. This is the approach they go with. I like what they added. I am. I think it's a good trade. I think it is a fantastic trade. They added a lot of depth. They added a lot of pieces that can help now. Half of this trade are players that could help within the next 365 days, and there's two players, I guess, you know, more than half, I think will help in the next 365, and then two players beyond that who I think are the stars of this deal who are in the lower minors that uh, hopefully we'll be able to get to see in the minors next year. And, you know, they could be in play for 2021, but are more than likely in play for 2022. I think the Indians did a fantastic job today. I think they got a lot of talent. It may not be the sexiest trade, but I just want to go back and point out again. Who do you want to trust when it comes to evaluating pitching? Do you want to trust the Cleveland Indians, or do you want to trust old scouting reports and random people on the internet? I'm going to trust the Cleveland Indians. I think they went out and uh, made a fantastic deal because they took advantage of a team that was afraid to trade its big guns, so instead they just got an absolute treasure chest of players that are perfect for their system and can help the Indians sooner rather than later. I have been Jeff Ellis on this extra-long Clevenger trade edition of the podcast. Uh, I did not get a chance to answer the questions I asked for. I guess I there was one question, so I'll just do this quickly here. I am not surprised they didn't trade for another outfielder, and the reason I'm not surprised is because you got Naquin and Leplo in one corner. Naquin's been playing very well. You have Naylor in the other. Center field, I think they still believe in Mercado, uh, and they're okay with the shields, and they're just going to let that check out. You got Daniel Johnson, who I think could play it played as well. So... I would have liked to have seen Brian Goodwin. I've already talked about that on the show, but I'm not surprised that they uh, felt pretty content where they are right now. I've been Jeff Ellis. You've been a fantastic audience. Uh, If you are new to the show, thank you for listening. I know I'm going to have some new listenership just from people who are curious to hear this long take on this one trade. So uh, keep listening, rating and reviewing, downloading. I appreciate all of that. Thank you so much. And again, I hope some of you new people will stick around and listen. I hope what you've heard today was enough information to uh, to make you check from time to time. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Draft. You can find a small no- novel of my takes on this trade on my profile, so go check that out if you wanted anything more. This has been the Lockdown Indians Podcast, and as always, go Tribe.